Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 218. Controller or keyboard? <gasps> There's no gasp in the title, but that'd be cool. Hi, my name's Alex, and I'm the host of Time for Your Hobby, and today I have the honor to have Richard as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on my show, and Richard and I were kind of nerding out right before the show. Like, I really wanted to dive into the conversation right there, but I had to reserve myself for the show because, you know, save some good stuff for the people, the listeners, the viewers, the consumers, I guess. Yeah, you're, people listening, you are the consumers. Uh, yeah. But yeah, enough about patrons. me. Yeah, the patrons. There you go. Uh, but enough about me blabbing, babbling on. Uh, let's talk about Richard and his love for video games. But before we do that, who is Richard? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a stressful question to be asked. <laughs> I mean, th- um, I can tell you like um, facts about my life. I know everyone um, is rightfully frustrated when people want to answer that question with like what they do for a job. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's hard to know what else to say. I'm, I, uh, I work in podcasting. I make podcasts for brands and companies and organizations. That's what I do um, most of my day. And I play video games at night. I'm a dad. Um, so I spend a lot of time being a dad and a husband. I'm someone who can be insecure at times. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm someone who can only work on things that I believe in uh, or can only, let's say, can only uh, finish or do a good job on things that I truly believe in. And so I've I've structured my career in that direction. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else. You're yeah, an awesome I was, I'm an only child. <laughs> you like the color green? <laughs> I, I don't love the color green. I like bright colors. Um, I would take bright colors any day. I like wearing bright colors, seeing bright colors. Some neon like, green. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a person who like did not care for nature or care about nature for a long time. And then in uh, more recent days, as I grew to closer to 40, just had to admit that it was better for my mental health and that I felt better after being in nature. And so that's, that's been an interesting change to who I thought I was. Yeah. So actually this episode, we're going to be talking about playing Xbox and PlayStation 5 in the middle of the woods. So you get the best of both worlds. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's not a, see that appeals to me. <laughs> you just got to have an ext- extremely long extension cord. That's all. That's you know, all I had a moment when I got the switch, right? Where you play Breath of the Wild out on the deck. That was really nice for a minute. And then after a while, to be tr- totally truthful, that idea appeals to me for two seconds. Just think. <laughs> You kind of want to maximize what you're doing in that moment. So if I'm going to be in the woods, I want to be in the woods, you know, I don't want to look at a screen when I'm in the woods, but if I'm in my house, I might as well look at a screen. That's kind of my approach to screen time. (laughs) Home screen, outdoor screen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Screen or Kindle. If that counts as a screen, I don't know, but screen or Kindle. Screen with no light or unless they have light now. yeah, <laughs> I got the light up one. So, oh, there you go. You're living yeah. in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's perfect. You know what? I'll make this a safe and comfortable environment, and we're going to go at your pace. If I go off rail, just kick me off the train track. I don't know. No, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to get into this topic of video games. But before we move on, I do have to say I we can relate a lot more because I'm a father as well. I nice. am a podcaster. Yeah. Who knew? Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> We're the same. Yeah. We're the same. Yeah, basically. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same barber. We have the same dentist. Uh, Are you also insecure at times? <laughs> 
isn't everybody isn't it like like the thing you wake Man, up in the morning? I should like, hope yeah. so. But I I the longer I've lived, the more I've discovered that's not true for all people, unfortunately. Maybe everyone should be insecure. That's yeah. sort of maybe where I've landed. I'm adding that to my resume. Insecure skills. <laughs> that's one <laughs> exactly. of my skills. So, yeah. I can manage we'll my insecurity as a positive thing. <laughs> yeah. This turned into like a how to build your resume with your insecurities. Just have it in bold <laughs> letters so it's right there. So it's honestly, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, this is helping me process and I'm I'm learning a lot already. Um that is right in line with my brand. So I should probably embrace that. See, this is why Rich and I are gonna become best friends. This we're gonna help each other out. But speaking about your brand, um, <clears throat> before we move on to video games, do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love to share with the listeners? For sure. I mean, if you just want to follow my Twitter profile, because I just like really sold you on the concept of Richard Clark <laughs> as an idea, <laughs> um, you can follow me at the Richard Clark at the Richard Clark on Twitter. But I think the thing I would most like to tell people about is a, a little podcast I run called Video Game Feelings, which is three words. Um, search all three words separately. Just search the title. I don't know why I made that complicated. <laughs> Video Game Feelings is what it's called. And um, yeah, it's a podcast that is about what it sounds like. We have um, sort of a combination of people who play games, people who write about games, people who make games. Um, we're in the middle of season one and two. I don't have a launch date announcement yet for season two, but I can say that we have a couple guests in the can or scheduled that I am like inordinately excited about. And so uh, it's going to be really good. We're going to focus even more on the feelings this season. It's really like an excuse to talk about our feelings because I feel like people who play video games have a lot of feelings, but don't always know how to talk about them. I mean, I'm one of those people. And so this is a way to sort of explore those things. On a Man, podcast. You have me so pumped up for this. I would love, oh, I nice. cannot wait to listen to it. And if you ever need another guest on the show, you know, I love video games and I yeah. can talk about my feelings. So, you know, so. I'm wanting to do more <laughs> bonus episodes that oh. sort of span slightly outside of video games. We've done one on board games. <gasps> it might be Ooh. interested to just do one about hobbies and fe feelings. Like I kind of, I'm kind of feeling that idea a little bit. It's just an, like, Man, there's all sorts of different directions we could go you there. Might, you might geek out about this. Uh, I'm actually working on a board game about podcasting. <gasps> Ooh, fine. <laughs> fine. So like the whole meta of that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, if and maybe one day, if you're interested, I'd love to have you play test it as well. Oh, please. I would love that. Yes, <laughs> that'd be great. But anyways, it's not about... Well, it is about you, but it's not about my board game and all that. Today is all about you and your video games because you're talking about other people's feelings in their video games. Today, we're going to talk about you and your feelings in your video mm -hmm. games. So I'm kind of stealing your idea for your show for now. Just hope I, I mean, <laughs> I, I have to admit, you sent sort of like a brief um, overview of some of the kinds of questions we might talk about. And I'm like, man, I want to steal these questions. These are good questions. Sometimes I have a hard time coming up with like boilerplate questions. You know, mm -hmm. I'm very good at follow-up, but I'm not exactly great at like the, the, we should ask this every time kind of thing. And I'm like, Whoa, these are valuable. These are good. <laughs> take them, take them. I insist. Take my questions. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And speaking about the questions, let's head to the first one, the yep. beginning. How did you get introduced to playing video games? I love telling the story 
because it's one of the few stories in my life that has, that is not tinged with, um, something dark. I mean, my life is not sad, but I just, that's my personality. It tends to, the stories I remember are bummers. This is one, my dad, who's no longer alive, but at the time he, um, see, even when I'm telling a happy story, I have to tinge it with sadness. (laughs) This guy doesn't live anymore. Um, so when I was very young, I don't remember the age I was born in 82 and then at some point, the first sentient sort of awareness I had of video games was that my dad had a 2600, an Atari 2600. And I just remember playing Combat, E.T. And that may be it. That, at, the, at the time, that specific session. I, yeah, I just remember playing those games and, and just uh, enjoying them with him. The the ET thing is interesting. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, like, yeah, it is it is um it is well known as the worst video game ever made. Yeah. And that's probably pr- I mean at this point I'm sure it's been beaten just on a on a moral framework. But um, ET was a bad game. It was you literally <laughs> there was something broken about that game to where when you started it you fell into a hole and that was it. <laughs> um, and so my dad and I spent hours trying to get out of that hole and it, we couldn't uh, and that that was kind of what we did but we enjoyed trying to get out of the hole combat was an incredible game at the time just like really fun and all of the variations of i mean i for the longest time i thought it was called tank or tanks um just because you played as tanks and you shot at each other and, you know, sometimes you can make the bullets bounce off the walls. And that was really fun and satisfying. And sometimes you can curve the bullets. It was really ahead of its time in a way in terms of just how deep that game was. If they had combined all of that stuff into like power ups and stuff, it could have been really engaging. But instead, you had to like flip a switch to switch it to different modes where you played with curved bullets or played with bouncy bullets. Anyway, I remember that it was just like a really fun thing to do with my dad. And at a time when really like my dad and I didn't have much in common growing up, like he was very supportive and cool to me, but he, um, he liked fishing and I didn't, it was boring to me. He, he sort of feigned interest in things. He was my soccer coach for a while. So that was cool. But in general, we didn't spend a lot of time like actively engaged in something, you know? and so like together. And so that was uh, a big deal to me. That's awesome. I love how that brought you guys together in terms of like, and did he play video games before you were born as well? Or was it something that he picked up like afterwards? Like, okay, my son seems to show interest in this. I want to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't have played very long before because Mm -hmm. video games were essentially (laughs) invented for the popular audience in 82 or so. So like that was when I was born. So I, I think it was a brand new thing to him that he was like trying out. And frankly, he, he lost interest very quickly after that. So uh, neither of my parents were really into video games after that, but I, it was, it was like the, the, it was, it was, uh, off to the races for me. Like I, uh, man, I was really into video games at, after that point. I kid you not. My dad is in the same situation as like, mm. your dad. he loves fishing doesn't mm-hmm. really like video games, but we bonded on the Nintendo 64 on 007 Goldeneye. 
Nice. Yeah, that's, that's the a good same one. idea. And he doesn't like. And he also like Star Fox. He's like, hey, you still got that game with the planes? I'm like, yeah, Star Fox. Like, yeah, let's play it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's but cool. So, so it leads me to ask: since there are so many new video games now, and as the time went by, there was a few fishing video games. Did you ever introduce one of those games to your dad? Man, that's such a good question. I don't remember. I know that I played some fishing games growing up, like on the Sega Genesis and stuff. Um, and they were really like, that was, I mean, this is weird, but that was a golden <laughs> age for fishing video games. Mm -hmm. I think personally, like there was something like really, it was a time where you could be pretty impressed and engaged by a fishing video game. Now it has to be like hyper-realistic in order to get anyone to notice um, or like hyper-creative in the way that, that like, I think Moonglow Bay is which just came out um i like i don't know like the fishing the fishing games just don't intrigue me as a standalone concept anymore i guess but um at the time man i got pretty obsessed with some pretty standard straightforward like you are fishing um <laughs> video games i do not recall any time that i ever showed them to my dad and in fact the only times as I'm thinking about it now that I play, remember playing those games were at a friend's house who I would go over to his house every morning before school <laughs> because I was carpooling with them. Um, and I would spend like an hour playing video games while he got ready. <laughs> um, the funniest thing about that story is that I would always play Sonic. And mm -hmm. I don't know if this happens to everyone, but playing Sonic in a dark room early in the morning will give me vertigo every time hmm. um it's a very strange feeling like space and time is shifting and changing around you and it starts to feel like you're in fast forward it's a weird experience um but yeah that was uh that was something i would do every morning yeah well sonic yeah i remember playing that as a kid and it, it goes pretty fast and so i don't blame you and like yeah that that could definitely happen just a yeah. little epilepsy here and there as well that could that could also happen <laughs> right. and i don't know my mind once again i told you at the beginning that my mind wanders away so we're talking about fishing video games and sometimes these video games come up with these like interesting uh, gadgets or weird things that go attached to the video game itself kind of like yeah. uh I don't know when Nintendo did the 3D thing or they had the power glove or they had uh, the Wii yeah. Fit. Like these are not things that are usually found for video games. Like the Hey You Pikachu had a microphone to your Nintendo 64 controller. So my question to you, what was the most interesting thing that you, like, you wanted to try out as a kid? Like looking at this, like, oh, this is a cool gadget I'd love to try. Like it was <clears> like a shotgun kind of thing or a fishing pole or the power yeah. glove. I know the power glove was a big thing. Yeah, the Power Girl Glove was a big thing. Thankfully, by the time I heard about it, I, I feel like I, there was a brief window, like, you know, the wizard comes out or whatever, and everyone's pumped about it. And then a friend got it, and it was instant. You, it's just so instant. <laughs> you can tell. This thing is trash. Like, yeah. you can just tell. It is a nightmare. Um, I had a, around the the Sega Genesis days, late Sega Genesis days, they came out with like a weird, like octagonal ring thing that you stood inside of, but it had like infrared lasers that sh shot up from the sides of the octagon. And you, those were the <laughs> buttons essentially. So you would like in theory punch to punch or just do anything. And so I had one of those that you were supposed to like, that was specifically you were supposed to play eternal champions with 
And uh, that was like a late stage Mortal Kombat wannabe fighting game. And um, no, that wasn't good at all. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a good experience. I mean, all that stuff was the same. It was like, it was, it was kind of like sea monkeys where, (laughs) you know, it's, it's ostensibly this thing. It's a really cool sounding concept, but the execution in theory was there, but in actuality was not there, you know, um, like they could get away with saying that it did a thing, but in reality, when you got it, it like, it was not that thing at all. It was, it was exactly like the same feeling as buying sea monkeys from the back of a boy's life magazine or, or x-ray glasses or whatever, you know, um, yeah, just, just useless. <laughs> you tried it once and, and you you knew instantly it was not good. The only product that stayed up, like stayed true to their words was pet rock. You paid for uh-huh. a pet rock. <laughs> pet rock and a those pet spy rock. glasses were pretty good because <laughs> right. they had mirrors in them. Like that at least works, right? You can see behind you without turning around. I remember those. And I remember the ones that are like the 90 degree angle. So you can lay in bed and just like read your <laughs> magazine. <laughs> Oh, the eighties and nineties were a wild time for like these kids, like gadgets and like, it was just, it was just a time where it was just like, disobey your parents, buy this stuff to disobey your parents and and they'll love it. Yeah. (laughs) I think we were being tricked into thinking we're disobeying our parents. Honestly, Yeah. The parents were in on it as well. They knew Mm -hmm. it was the way Mm -hmm. to keep us in control. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But so we're going back and forth through time and once again, another random question. Run yeah. me through all the consoles you own. So from the first okay. one and then till what you have now. I'm so glad you asked this question. One of the patterns in my life is that I kept buying things that um, no one else had, which if you know anything about video games is, ba- is a bad situation to be in. <laughs> um, you want to buy the, con- this is weird. This is actually a weird thing about video games, but it really was like you wanted the console that everyone had, because that means you would get games for it. Also, it, a little thing about that time period is the the video game store would definitely co- like have games for your console. And that wasn't always the case <laughs> for my consoles. So I, I had the 2600 for a bit, obviously. The very next console I got was a turbo graphics 16 which was supposed to be like the nintendo killer because the nintendo was 8-bit and the turbo graphics was 16-bit so this was the first like us 16-bit system i believe and bonk's adventure was a big thing i have to tell you i loved that console and i loved all the games on that console but there were not many and certainly there were none to rent so I um, played a lot of bonk games. I played a lot of Vigilante. I played a lot of Fantasy Zone. Uh, man, that was my jam. But all of my friends were busy by that stage playing, you know, like Nintendo um, and having the time of their life playing Mario. I never owned a regular Nintendo I, I didn't own a Super Nintendo for that matter. After TurboGrafx is seen, I went with Sega Genesis, which is not as bad, but it was no Super Nintendo, you know, essentially. All my friends had Super Nintendos. And then, of course, the 32-bit era hit hits and or starts to hit, and you can see a pattern. I immediately jumped to the 32X, which was 
an add-on to the Sega Genesis that turned it into a 32-bit console. Again, in theory, <laughs> but maybe not in practice. Um, there was a cool Star Wars game for that. There was a nice version of Doom, and there was uh, something else, Cosmic Carnage, a fighting game where the characters zoomed in and out a lot, which was neat. But um, yeah, it was not good. After that, a little time went by. I finally, I finally got a PlayStation, just a regular old PlayStation. Most of these consoles broke after a while, like pretty quickly, <laughs> I'm realizing. Like, I remember the PlayStation, like, booting up to that mm -hmm. white logo. And then if you were lucky, it would transition into the black, ver the black logo. Like, there was that period of waiting to see if that would happen. And then Nintendo 64 after that, I think. And then from there, it was like GameCube during college. And then um, Xbox... Yeah, just regular Xbox after that. So clearly I'm I'm like into it. I'm like an early adopter. I'm like I'm even like filling in the holes here and there when I can. We did not have a lot of money, so this was like the thing, you know, I was getting. This is what I would ask for. And and then and from there it gets into adulthood, so then so then Xbox, I got an Xbox 360. At some point, I got a PlayStation 4. This was a period where I'd start trading things in for other things when I lost patience. So I ended up getting a, a, a Nintendo Wii at some point. I remember waiting outside overnight for a Wii. That was a fun experience. Um, I just knew that was going to be something interesting. And then, uh, yeah, I got the PlayStation 4, I, uh, PlayStation 4 and the Xbox 360. And then I think I got the Switch after that. And then I got the, my latest console was a Series S, an Xbox Series S, which I'm just, I'm settled on because Game Pass has changed everything, frankly, mm -hmm. for me, which we'll, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more in terms of how I play games. It's a perfect fit, honestly. I have so many questions about that. And since we're on the same topic of different consoles, now this, yeah. it can be controversial in the video game world. Which controller would you say is the best one in your opinion? And which controller is the worst one in your opinion from all the controllers you've played with? This is easy. This is easy. <laughs> um, Xbox has made the perfect controller, I believe. Mm. That's my opinion. Um, and then the worst controller is the Switch controller, which never works. It's... <laughs> Joystick drift is a real problem. It has made me not want to play my Switch ever, ever, ever. I have it. It's fine. Like, it works. There's a lot of games I want to play for it. I own a lot of games. I keep buying games for my Switch. But I do not play them because um, my controller drives me absolutely nuts. It punishes me for playing games on it. And that's just not a good situation. And from what I understand, even if I were to send it in and get it fixed, it would just happen again. And that's annoying to me. Annoying enough to make me not want to do it anymore. So it's kind of like, oh, remember the red ring of death for the Xbox 360? But when you sent that yeah. in, it actually fixed it. <laughs> right. Nintendo's like, right. no. <laughs> Nintendo is just like, I don't know. Try this. <laughs> yeah, try this. You know what? Nintendo is known as an easy game. This is their way of saying this is a hard mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You want a challenge. Here's your challenge. Oh, but yeah, like, uh, okay. So those are the best and the worst ones. And, uh, and this is in the same term of favoritism in a, in a good way. What is your all time favorite video game that you just can't get enough of? And you, maybe you still play to this day. Okay. Those are two different questions. In my opinion. 
Because the one that is my all-time favorite, I won't play again. It's complete. It's done. <laughs> it's over. Um, and it is Kentucky Route Zero, which is a game that sort of checked a lot of boxes for me. I, I started playing it when I was in Kentucky. I would play it sort of in the dark when I was newly single after being divorced and I would like drink bourbon and just sort of take it all in the atmosphere and just the story. And this story really resonated me with me in a lot of ways. Thematically, it's a lot of things, but it's fundamentally a game about finding your value in the world when you're really not feeling at home in the world. And like also sort of morphs over time into like the crazy thing about Kentucky Route Zero is that it literally spanned several years. It, it was was launched in the um, recession of 2008 and episodes came out until three years ago, two years ago. And each episode brings it sort of like in like moves the theme into different directions that really resonate in that moment. And so it becomes a game about labor and rest and finding becoming worn out and burnout and all of these things that I really resonated with as time went on. Um, you know, I struggled at first to find my place in the world. That was for me what that first episode was about. By the end, you just want to break, you know, <laughs> you just want to, you just want to know like, what do I have to do to live? <laughs> You know, and that that's a really fascinating experience to play that game. I mean, the the game elements are not as pronounced as other games. It's not a game that's like mechanical, mechanically dense, but it's a game I enjoy being able to play. Right. As opposed to watch. I think it it benefits from that. And so I yeah, I really enjoyed like that aspect of it. So I, 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 to me that, that experience is complete. Um, and I won't play it again probably for a very long time, but that would be my favorite game. So on that you, once again, you trigger this mindset of mine and you're talking about like finding yourself in a video game and just trying to get to know who you are and escaping from reality and just finding your own inner peace. Now with all the games you've played, are there is there like one character you've really connected with? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, weirdly, I connected a lot. <laughs> I, this is so weird. <laughs> I connected a lot with those early mascots, but but not like Mario, like the ones that were kind of unsung a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I immediately connected with Luigi. <laughs> Bonk, I mentioned. I really connected with Bonk, not because of how he's portrayed in the game, but because of the three video game mascots of that time, he was the most <laughs> unseen. <laughs> I related to that, you know? Um, uh, I, yeah, th those are the things I think I really connected with. I'm trying to think of someone more recent. I mean, obviously, I think it's Conrad from... Kentucky Route Zero, I connected with a lot, but it's really all the characters in Kentucky Route Zero. So, and it's not so much the characterizations. You know, um, there's a character in Life is Strange True Colors, the lead character in that, whose name is just not, not coming to me right now, but she is a character that I really loved playing and really felt some amount of um, connection with. I, it, 
it just it's simply because basically her superpower is she's an empath and emotions would really impact her in substantial ways. And that, that, um, that was just a really fun character to play as in a video. It was, and it, it, uh, yeah, it, it resonated with me quite a bit. Okay. This might sound weird, but sometimes before I go to bed, I start dreaming about like me being a superhero with superpowers and I try to like <laughs> build this whole scene. So with that weird segue, have you ever just for fun, just like gathered all like the elements from all other characters and just try to create a character in your head? Like this would be an awesome video game character. I don't think I've done that. <laughs> I don't think me. I've done that, but it's a cool idea for sure. All right. I'm just the weird one. Okay. Hey, <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, it's, all never, good. I've, it's never occurred to me to do that. But now, now it's implanted in your head. This is all you're going to think I know. about. Tonight. I'm sure I'll do it next. <laughs> uh, it'll be all, the reason I can't sleep tonight. And so you going a little bit back, you're saying you completed a game. You don't play it anymore. So are you the type of person that 100% a game? And do you try to find every little Easter egg as well? Maybe the most fundamental thing about the way I play games I've come to realize is that I'm a tourist. I really love playing games before game pass before Xbox. I had a switch and all I did was pay attention to the, the eShop sales all the time. It's literally like what, you know, people joke about spending their night, uh, scrolling through Netflix, like what you should watch stuff instead of actually watching something. That's me on the switch is I would just go from thing to thing, like weighing my options, trying to figure out like how much do I want to spend and on what. Um, and I would try these weird games, even back with Xbox 360, the Xbox Live Arcade launched and then X, the, the lesser known Xbox Live Indies, indie games arcade launched, I think it was called. And that, that was like a really, like, People think now of indie games as like Xbox Live Arcade uh, or like whatever you buy on digitally because indie games are big now. And I guess that was kind of true back then, but there was a really specific like dumping ground for a bunch of random, weird, small games that no one had ever heard of and would never be reviewed by anyone. And I would just buy, spend one to two dollars on stuff all the time. When I got an iPhone, it became a problem. I would buy iOS games all the time. When I was a games journalist, that's the thing I would review is iOS games. And I would write very long-winded, overly thoughtful reviews of like Angry Bird type yeah. <laughs> mobile games, you know. The the point is I I I I have a hard time sticking with a game. That's maybe my fatal flaw. I really enjoy trying new things. I just do. I like, I, it's a little bit ADHD, I think. I mean, I'm not formally diagnosed, but I wonder sometimes I just want to like try stuff. And I, it's also tied to this idea that I'm like not good at video games. Actually, I, I get stuck very easily and I get frustrated and impatient very easily. And so like Far Cry 4 was a game that just came out on Game Pass. I was so excited to play it. And I got stuck on this one mission like four days into playing it. And I haven't played it since. Um, that's a pretty good example <laughs> because I don't have to, right? Like there's just a lot coming out um, on Game Pass or whatever to where I can just move on to the next thing. And so 
And I also like, I had a conversation on my podcast with um, Zalavir Nelson um, ab about his approach to video games. And the way he put it was he'll play a game until he understands what it's, what it has to say to him. And then he'll move on. And that was actually a really helpful rubric. I think that's kind of more at my best, what I tend to do. Um, getting stuck is a whole other thing. But generally, I don't finish games. Generally, I wait for me. I wait for a feeling that like, okay, I've gotten what I'm supposed to get out of this video game. The ones I've finished are the, the new version of Doom. Not Doom Eternal, but the one before that, Doom 2016. That game was just so freaking fun and in such a perfect way for me that I never wanted it to end. And I just played until the end. Life is Strange to True Colors is a game where that was so emotionally resonant and rewarding on an emotional level to play. It felt like counseling in that way um, that I, I wanted to finish it. But there aren't a lot of games like that. And it's a really special game that will cause me to finish it. But being a tourist for video games, there's nothing wrong for that. Like nothing at all. Yeah, and yeah. nowadays it makes it even easier with, let's say, some games are even free. Let's say Epic has free games that pop up every now and then. Or Steam has sales that make it even more affordable because games are getting more expensive. And mm -hmm. it, it's not friendly on the wallet. Yeah, I can go on That's and right. on about that. And uh, this also had me thinking because right now you can buy games when they come out and just get the digital version. Did you ever pre-order games? And if so, was it something that you still do or you get disappointed? Because a lot of games nowadays get sometimes get bad, bad rap for being pre-orders. And then once they come out, they're not completed, quote unquote, completed games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I. I can't think of a time I pre-ordered a game. If I have, it was a very rare exception. Almost never happened. And also, this is another odd question. What game have you or do you have the most hours in? Oh, what game do I have the most hours in? That's a, that is an interesting question. It might be Overwatch. That's a game that I was playing with some friends for a very long time and got really into. And even when they dropped off, I was like refusing to let go. I was really into it. And the only thing that stopped me was that I traded in my system oh, no. for a Switch. What switch? What's this? Now I'm remembering. I must have had some system I didn't mention. Was it? Was it just an Xbox 360? I don't know. Anyway, I had some. It was a PlayStation, maybe PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation mm -hmm. Four. It must have been a PlayStation Four. I think I said that at some point. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever system that Overwatch was on at the time, um, back in like 2016, that was. Uh, that was my jam, man, for a long time. I played the crap out of that game. I really loved it. And I'm sure you're aware that apparently Overwatch 2 is coming out quite soon. Are you planning to get that game? I'll watch the reviews. <laughs> I'll see. I, but more importantly, I'll watch my friends. I don't really want to get into it. If I mean, I'll play it if it's like available to me, but I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it if if my friends aren't playing I don't think I, I just my understanding is that that game's very different now. It's it's high on like DPS people. So in other words, like people that run around and shoot um, as opposed to like it, it doesn't reward as much the support stuff or the um, the healer type of approaches. And it that was really like one of the things I loved about it is that if I wasn't feeling great at 
shooting people in the face in that moment. Like I could go and just sort of like help other people do that um, and get really uh, incentivized to do that. Yeah. So. No, I feel you. And it gets more and more competitive. The more popular game, uh, popular a game gets, it gets more competitive. I tell you one thing I really liked about it though, on that note, I like a kind of healthy sort of casual competition. And one thing I liked about Overwatch was, was that fighting the, the brackets? Like you could, it had a really sort of straightforward league system to where I don't know if leagues a ranking system. That's what I'm looking for. Ranking system to where you had a grasp of like how good you were and you could tell if you're getting better or not. And I really enjoyed that. I liked like I could wrap my head around that. And I've been looking for a game that sort of scratches that itch in particular of like you're playing with a lot of people, you're playing these ranked matches and you're rising up and down the ranks accordingly based on how good you are. I'm sure stuff is out there. Um, like the the nice thing about that is that it sort of keeps you with the people that you should be with until you're ready to move up. Um, and I really appreciate that. I think Hearthstone is another one that did that really well for me. Um, I guess Blizzard must do that really well, probably. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy uh I enjoyed Hearthstone and Overwatch for that reason. I like how you said it when you're ready to move up as if like I, I can move up. I, I, uh-huh. I can't, I uh-huh. just stay there. Yeah. <laughs> no yep. matter how yep. bronze, that's about it. That's, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with bronze. I'm pretty good at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just fun to compare yourself to your friends. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then that. friendly trash talk. That's, that's always mm-hmm. fun. And then couch yep. play. That's always fun as well. I can't do that uh-huh. for Overwatch, but there's some games that are fun. Actually. Yeah. Why not? What is your favorite couch uh, video game yeah couch co-op or, yeah. or a local couch yeah multiplayer yeah i this is a tough one i mean there are a few that come to mind one is just halo i mean halo was always really fun to play split screen and i've had a lot of fun with friends i had one of my one of my best friends um we played uh oddball together and we <laughs> We would repeat everything the announcer said. So we'd constantly be going, oddball. And by the end of the night, we'd have no voice left. <laughs> you know, like um, we just have completely sore voices and we couldn't figure out why. And then we were like, oh, yeah, it's because we've been talking like that all night. But that's a good one. Um, there was like a little bit of a renaissance happening like a few several years ago, actually, maybe like five, ten years ago. I don't know. I've lost all track of time. But um, it was shoot what was that game towerfall yeah right. towerfall was a, like a really fun game to play with people co-op i love those weird like little indie experiences chicken horse is that a game <laughs> sure yeah yeah <laughs> i'm trying to remember the actual name of that game but that's one that my son and i have played that really works well if you have kids because if they're bad it also hurts them equally it, wait, it also hurts you as equally <laughs> as it hurts them if they're bad at making levels because the game is basically a platform game. But before you run across the platform, you build the platforms <laughs> like you build the level, you take turns building the level. And so mm-hmm. Atticus just likes to throw saws in front of us. And then he's hurt by it as much as I'm hurt <laughs> by it. But he then starts to adapt and get better at going around his own stuff. I don't know. I like that one a lot. It's fun. 
Okay, once again, keep going with these ridiculous questions. Uh-huh. If you, so, I'm the type of guy. Like, if we're playing games with friends, sometimes we make house rules that are not integrated mm. in the game. We're just like, oh, what if like every time you die, you have to do a push up? I don't know something ridiculous. <laughs> like, uh, what is what are some house? If you do it, what are some funny house rules you've created for games that are not integrated in the game itself? You're like, yeah, this is what my friends and I agree upon. We'll do this. You know, I've never done it. I've always wanted to play Cario Mart, which is the the drinking version of <laughs> Mario Kart. I've always like. I think that the rules of that one is every time you do a laugh, mm-hmm. you have to take a drink. Yeah. Um, which I love that because there's like a built-in rubber banding system in addition to the blue shell. But um, I, I that is appeals to me now that I drink. At the time that I learned about that, I wasn't drinking. I am not a. I'm. I don't know. I don't have a lot of examples of that. The best I have is like we played Uno and we do Uno special rules sometimes where we have all kinds of crazy Uno rules that we apply um, to make it a hyper complicated game. But other than that, like um, and then that's just the card game, not the video game. Uno. <laughs> um, it's funny that you mentioned the Mario Kart thing, because uh, I did that with my friends and it's like Mario Kart, no drinking and driving. So basically it's uh-huh. that uh, when you, you don't drink every lap, but you have to, you have to, you start off with a beer or your drink and you have to finish your drink before you finish the race, but you cannot drink and drive. So you would have to pull over to the side of the road, That's put down your controller, is. take a sip and then keep going. And so you can either chug the whole drink yes. at the beginning of the race or wait at the t- finish line and chug it. <laughs> At the end, but you so have to, genius. but you cannot move. Now, my friends and I were idiots. We we're like, let's do shots, but every lap. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And we, we did like a Grand Prix, which I believe is four maps and, oh my four, gosh. and three laps per map. So it was like a bunch of shots. It was horrible, but it was fun. Yeah. Sounds but, amazing. Honestly. Yeah. Don't drink I love that. Don't drink. That's, I think that's, that's the, <laughs> I think that's what I was thinking of. I think that is the. The canon rules. Yeah. It's a genius one. It's a fun one. And it just, it has a message. Do not drink and drive there. Exactly. Just pull over, drink, and then drive. And then throw the green shell. Yeah. That's that's the rational thing to do. Uh, But we'll probably, if we ever meet up, we'll have to do it together. There you go. Not drinking and driving. I mean, playing the Mario Kart game. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we can do the drink and driving Mario Kart game. Not drink and driving in real life. I feel like this is a whole PSA of me just saying. Don't drink and drive over and over. To be clear, yeah, to no be clear. one should drink and drive. <laughs> Do not take off this episode because I'm not encouraging it. Uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> now, back to you. Now, there are so many games coming out so often. There's a lot of AAA games. There's a lot of mm-hmm. indie games coming out. What is the next game that is on the top of your list that you want to get? Um, the one that's been out for a while, I just haven't had the money to buy it, and it's not on Game Pass. And if, if something's not on Game Pass, it's, it's a twofold challenge because, A, I have to afford it be able to afford it and B I have to find the time of for it after playing through like all these other game pass games. So literally two games came out on game pass today that I plan to play, which uh, are not that interesting. I don't want to talk about them because they're just not, the, <laughs> they're, they're not a good answer to this question, but they are until dawn and watch dogs too. Oh, Both yeah. look pretty interesting. I, I love game pass so much because you can just try stuff that you don't know if you're going to like. And I have to, I'm sorry, I'm not answering this question right now, but I will go back and say one of the games that I tried just the other day was road 96. I never, ever, ever would have paid for that game <laughs> or, or sought that game out, but it is unbelievable. It is just so weird and specific and singular 
and the way and its approach to politics and it's a in its approach to like uh, a graphic adventure like it is is a weird like cross between like Oregon Trail and like like uh, a standard point and click and like gone home and has some like fun like 80s vibes to it and 90s vibes it's just really cool and it also just makes you think about like a dystopian version of our country um and and how it affects people i love it so much just because of how weird it is anyway those are like the best kind of feelings when you just pick a video game that you're not entirely sure about but then you start playing you're like wow yeah this is like yes it's like fun it's it blows my mind it's amazing i'm glad i picked it up Hype, hype keeps me going as a fan, as a, as a hobbyist of video games, hype is what keeps me going, but it typically ruins a game for me. (laughs) Like I've learned to brace myself if I'm really looking forward to a game. Uh, that said, here's the game I'm looking forward to playing. Um, I really want to buy Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Um, I really loved Stanley Parable at the time to be totally honest. It, it's sort of like was a blip for me. I don't remember too much about it. I just know that I liked it and what it was going for. And that designer I'm a big fan of. I think his name is Mike Bithel. Anyway, I'm a big fan of his. And um, Ultra Deluxe, by all accounts, is a lot more than like a little add-on to Stanley Parable. It, it presents as sort of like a Ultra Deluxe version of Stanley Parable, but it actually... It actually is a, I've heard it described as a full sequel. I've heard it described as, what most intrigues me is I've heard it described as a analysis or criticism of the game itself. Um, and, and that is really cool, I think. Like it's, like, it's the work of someone who has, like that game came out so long ago. And this is a dude who matured and, and wanted to sort of like way back in on that game. That's something I'm really interested. I mean, this goes down, this comes down to like what I get most excited about. I think you can tell one of the patterns here is like the stuff that gets me most excited about a video game. Really all you have to do is make something like the craft needs to be there. It needs to be like a quote unquote good game in some way, shape or form. But really all you have to do is do something different or interesting or weird. And if it does that stuff, I'm going to like be in love with it. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to experience that. I did not know there was coming out with that one. I played the first time, the first one, and I loved it. And it's kind of like portals, like just the, like, that's a cool concept, but I also love the game half-life. Have you ever played half-life? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) I think what I played was starting at like whatever was in the orange box. So half-life two, I guess. Yeah. And all of the stuff attached to half-life two. Yeah. Valve, you gotta come out with Half Life Three. I know it's not gonna happen, but we're all waiting. <laughs> I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by Valve. Have you ever looked up? This is just a side thing, but have you ever looked up? Like, have you ever looked at their uh, employee handbook? No. It's the craziest thing, and it kind of makes it so clear why nothing we want to happen <laughs> happens at Valve, because literally, like, their whole 
value system is anybody does whatever they want. We hire amazing people. And then we say, just go do what you think you should do. And Mm. if you want people to help you, you just got to convince them to help you. And as a result, like they very specifically have only desks with wheels on them so that at any given point, you could just wheel your desk somewhere else to work on (laughs) something else, which uh, you can imagine like something like Half-Life 4, like who wants to be stuck with that kind of pressure? You know, like, you really have to have a vision for what that game is. And th- if it hasn't come out in this long, there's just no way it's going to happen. No way. Unless there's a surprise twist. You know, I wouldn't mind a surprise twist. I wouldn't. Yeah. Or someone <laughs> who just has a genius idea for like, oh, here is how we could do it. You know, but it would have to be something weird and subversive, probably. Yeah. And they would have to like, they would have to live up to the hype because it's a pretty wanted mm-hmm. game and it'd be kind of disappointing if they disappointed it. But so I feel like the person taking up that challenge has to be ready to take up that challenge. Right. right. We we're right. talking, we we're talking about consoles themselves. And when it comes to video games, consoles is a big thing, but there's also PCs. Do you also mm. game on PC? I have a MacBook that mm. I'm talking to you on right now. <laughs> um, and it, it's technically a work MacBook, but they're pretty, open to us doing whatever we want with it. I mean, it's basically ours. So I do, I have steam on there and I play certain games. I mean, I try to stick to console as much as possible for the sole reason that I just don't want to sit at my computer anymore at the end of the day. Um, it's just not something I want to do, but lately I've been playing a lot of two different games and, and they make sense as, as PC games or as, as computer games, which is, Stacklands, which is like you're building a little civilization with uh, cards. Um, and that one is way funner than it should be. It costs $3 on Steam. Everyone should go get it right now because it's a no-brainer. It's so cheap and it's unbelievable how fun that game is. It's just It just clicks and then it, you're off to the races for a very long time. Well worth your money. The other one is Inscription, which is... Um, Kind of something that I did all that. So um, all that someone had to say to me was this is hand of fate, but like done really well. And like with a lot of style and unique twists and turns that hand of fate is a game that did not catch on, but was exactly the kind of game I wanted to play, which is you're like, it's like a card game, but also like, it's like, uh, anyway, Inscription is like a card game, but like it changes all the time. And like basically a card game is in the it's like being dealt to you by a game master who is like messing with you all the time in different ways. And you're kind of messing with him. And the metagame is as important as the game itself. And I'm 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 gathering that there's some very uh, sort of existential game altering twists down the road that I just haven't gotten that far. I'm just loving the base game. Like it's just a really fun, like card game that has a lot of really interesting approaches and, and style to it. So, and we're talking about as well, saving money when buying games, cause they can get expensive. Have you, I'm sure you've heard of Epic games, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, for people listening, Epic Games every week they have free games, and some of them are AAA games like the Batman Arkham Knight. They have Just Cause, I just and then Tomb Raider and stuff like that. I'm like, really? These games are like seventy nine dollars, and 
It's so expensive. They're just free. What, what's the catch? And there's none. You don't even have to, like, you can just click and say, okay, but you don't have to install it. So whenever you're ready to install it, you can install it. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, these days it is become, I mean, you mentioned like, um, you know, tourism, game tourism is, is very much a thing you're, you can do now. And it's, it's nice. I mean, there was definitely a time when I, I faced a lot of guilt because I was just spending money all the time on games, like way too much. And it only affected me because I had an allowance, right? I mean, a, a budget, I guess is really what it was. I had a budget for like games. But I, it's, I had a budget for entertainment and I kind of felt like my life is just games mm-hmm. <laughs> and, just, and I don't even like these games. I'm, buying. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just buying them to buy them because I want to try something new. This cannot be the way to do it. It's an investment. That's exactly. <laughs> but what I found is like the way to do it is spend $15 on essentially unlimited amounts of games plus Epic plus steam sales that are like, like negligible amounts will get you a certain game. I mean, that's, that's the, that's gotten me to a really nice place where I spent. (laughs) Now I spend about as much on tea every month (laughs) or a movie every month as I do a game. And I feel a lot more balanced, at least in the way that I'm spending money. So you don't need to spend it on Netflix. You got the game pass. It's even better. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And now for something darker, what would you say are some misconceptions about people who play video games? I mean, uh, um, sometimes they're right. Uh, sometimes these, I mean, here's what I want to say about that. Sometimes those misconceptions are right. I do think that a lot of people play too many games. I think games are designed in some cases to encourage you to do that. I think a lot of people get swallowed up in it. They make it their identity. They have a hard time relating to people that don't also share this interest. I think those are all true. Maybe the biggest misconception that's actually a misconception is that they cause violence is probably the actual, like, I think that there are a lot of people scapegoating games in the same way that they're scapegoating a lot of things, except the things that actually <laughs> get political on your podcast, do it, but do the things they shoot and kill people. <laughs> um, you know, the, the gun things that are real, um, I will say like on the, on that note though, there's a, there's a dark side to just like anything, a game like call of duty really concerns me in some ways. Um, especially when you pair what I just said about how those misconceptions are sometimes true and mm-hmm. how people make it their identity and they have a hard time relating to people. I don't think, ga- <laughs> I don't think games are, you're right that this is the b- dark part. I don't think that games are causing the violence we're seeing, but they are part of the story for sure, right? They are they are almost consistently like people get into their little um communities, their little their quote unquote communities where they're interacting with people on the internet in ways that are depersonalized and that separate them from everyone else that is unlike them. And I think they get very comfortable there. And then I think they start having natural mental issues that comes from that. And they start thinking in certain directions. And I I just, I do think, (laughs) I don't know, like I'm sort of talking myself into it now. Like maybe there's something, 
look, stuff is being glorified in these games. Um, and I do worry about, um, I don't worry so much about games that are active. Like I don't, I do not worry about Bioshock. I do not worry about um, Spec Ops The Line. I do not worry about, frankly, even the Far Cry games because they're just so absurd. But the sort of hyper-realistic, hyper-jingoistic game, like military games or whatever. Like, I don't worry about Doom. It's silly. It's dumb. But like the the ones that take it so seriously and then make you feel like a freaking awesome guy for killing all these people. I don't think it's the game's fault because the game is really talking about war. That's a really specific context. The problem is we've mapped that context onto a lot of things now. The word war, the concept of violence has been mapped onto a lot of other areas of in, in civic life now and to where people feel justified acting as soldiers. And frankly, these games, Call of Duty in particular, but other games like it, give people a lot of practice and experience. It's not, it's not one-to-one. It's not a causal thing, but I think it, I think it does. It's something I worry about personally. And I, you know, I was reading an article recently at um, Waypoint, um, which is a really great video game site that just interviews with people who work on Call of Duty going like, we feel kind of gross right now. That was kind of the big takeaway, you know? And that made me feel actually pretty good because what you want is our video game developers thinking deeply about it. When I was a games journalist, this is a totally different issue, but when I was a games journalist, I remember um, being at the game developers conference and I had an interview with a person from Zynga and they were bragging about how their game is so addictive that everyone in the office, like, like can't stop playing in it and it, they had to like stop people from playing it because it like held it, helped them back for two weeks or something. And I said, Do, does it ever concern you that the game is that addictive? Like, could that be a bad thing? And they looked at me like I was crazy. Like they didn't, it hadn't entered their brain that that could be a bad thing. Now that was back in like 2012 or something. So a lot has changed. And what what heartens me is not I don't like necessarily care what the games look like as much as like where they're coming from, because I think you can feel that when you play it. I know you can, <laughs> you know, uh, you I, can, can, I could feel, feel it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting you say that because I think it was just last year or the year before there was a whole controversy about the whole loot box thing and how mm. it is pretty much mm. gambling. And it was and kids do not understand that concept. And I think it was very popular on uh, Overwatch as well or other platforms where they were kind of like targeting kids and saying, buy these mystery boxes and you get something special and then kids were spending and i think Fortnite as well was pretty popular for that and then created controversy and it and it's just that one of those things that if video games the misconception is that yeah it can be manipulative but it also there's the element of if you not you per se but if the, an individual has let's say violent nature 
and comes into video games, then they're bringing that nature into the video game as well. And yeah. not to go too far further off from topic, but this can be like same with religion, politics. If you are violent, like you're violent, like an ang- aggressive person, then you're yeah. going to bring aggression within the religion or within yes. Uh, politics or whatever else and it can come into video games as well we you i'm sure you and i have heard in our heyday halo the uh voice chats yeah that was Uh that was yeah yeah for people who don't know halo uh online chat was let's how how would i say it not friendly yeah. Not edifying. That's yeah. true. I mean, it's, a, it's I, I, I totally agree with you. One way I nuance that is media. All media is a conversation. It's a, it's sort of a two way conversation. You, you bring you, what, what you're saying is you bring into it what you are. What I, I guess what I'm trying to say is you're, you're also receiving something and you're interacting with what you're receiving. And, and I think too often like people don't think of it that way. They think of it one way or the other. They're thinking about the the message we're receiving from games or they're thinking about uh, if people are crazy. Not that this is what you're saying at all, but I think a lot of people are saying like people, crazy people play a game and then they get what they want out of that. Right. They're going to feel like their violence is the answer because they already were re- ready and primed to feel that way. I actually think it matters if you go into playing Call of Duty and Call of Duty chooses to say to you, yeah that was awesome as hell what you just did killing all those people versus going into something like Bioshock or Far Cry 2, which will make you feel a little bit of a muted (laughs) discomfort, you know, with what you've just done or even like Doom or Halo, which is like, this is totally irrelevant to your real life. That, that message actually matters quite a bit to hear. Like I want people to get that message when they're, I want people to feel like violence is something that is typically otherworldly. Um, mm-hmm. and that is escapist. I want, I want people to escape by doing violence. I don't to in, in a video game world, I don't want them to associate it with the awesomest way to win a war, you know, or, I don't know. I mean, obviously, how else do you win a war? But <laughs> hugs, hugs, hugs is the only answer, kids. <laughs> if only we, that's the answer is we should win wars with hugs. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because yeah, I actually, I really do agree. It's kind of like, I don't want to go into too much details. I don't, but Call of Duty Airport, if you, if that rings a bell, that. No Russian. Works. If people really want to know, yeah. Google no Russian. Yeah. That, that warning, was, warning, warning, warning. Yeah, Watch warning. out. Watch out. That was, there's nothing like they were hiding. It was blatant. Like, okay, this is what's happening. And it, once again, it's kind of like rewarding and that's not good. Um, So isn't that so interesting though? Cause that level didn't feel good. No, no, it didn't. I was really actually, I still don't really have a solid. I think the only thing I'd say about that is like, I don't trust those developers to do that. I think that's maybe the only sense in which I disagree with what they did there. But in terms of the way they did it, it's pretty uncomfortable. Didn't leave me feeling like it was awesome. Um, and I felt like a lot of bad stuff was awesome in video games. Like it felt like it was like, deliberately trying to make you feel the cost of what you were doing <laughs> in that game. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a complicated one, I think. And this actually is the perfect segue. It's weird, weird, perfect segue. But what has playing video games taught you in life? The thing that jumps out at me here is just 
perseverance. I'm not a patient person really at all, as I've demonstrated, I think. But I have learned like, you know, if you want to get any further, you're going to have to try a few more times. You're going to have to get a little better. Um, That's probably the number one lesson I've learned in video games, honestly. And uh, if you have any word of advice for anybody who's maybe interested in trying video games for the first time, what would be your piece of advice? So highly practical is just buy the Xbox Series S and and get Game Game Pass for it because you're going to get to really like see everything that's out there and try a bunch of stuff. Um, It's also really good for like, it's just really straightforward. That system and that ecosystem is really straightforward for people and and the way it handles games. It's a very user-friendly experience. Um, But I would also say like, yeah, something we've touched on. It, it's okay to like any given kind of game. Um, I was just playing a stupid like um, clicker game on my phone right before we talked. Um, it's fun. It keeps my brain occupied in ways that are satisfying to my brain. <laughs> you know, I understand 100% there's no skill involved. I understand that this is not going to reward me narratively. Um, but it like does something for my brain that it likes. And I think that's okay. I like if, if I could, I don't know if I could like give anyone any advice, it's just try all kinds of things and like embrace the stuff that makes you happy or feel better. Um, or makes you, um, you know, if it's a bonus, if you're like, feeling cool while you're playing it, or you feel like you're maturing or growing in some way, those can happen. Those will come, but man, just be happy. If a game is like freaking go find Peggle and just <laughs> play all the way through that. And then Peggle Two exist. I'm happy to inform you get that. <laughs> and then play through that. <clears throat> that was maybe one of, that was a, a bit of an awakening moment for me. I was really, I was really into the indie game movement. And Braid, Limbo, all that stuff really impacted me in a lot of different ways. Um, okay. So, but um, when Peggle came along, I just realized like sometimes a game can make you happy. And that can be an extremely valuable thing. And that was before the world was falling apart. Um, I think now, like, there's just nothing more valuable that a game can do that make us feel better. And, and they're extremely well in this respect. Like video games are really made to make you feel better. Even the ones that these days are, are more narratively focused. They're also like really focused on making you feel good. And, um, that can be really cool. I'm so happy that the video game crash in the eighties did not ruin video games forever. Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> it's hard to imagine, but I feel like someone would have picked it back up at some point. But yeah, a whole medium just dead in the water back in the 80s is, is crazy to think about. And one of those video games that helped cause that problem was one that you've played, E.T. E.T., exactly. The uh, culprit. And uh, once again, we've I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects that you would love to share? Yeah. Um, again, video game feelings. Um, check out that podcast. You can also subscribe to that on Twitter. Um, vid game feelings at vid, vid game feelings. I'm on Twitter 
at the Richard Clark. And I don't know if you want to make a podcast, <laughs> hit me up. We, we charge money for that. But if you want me to help you make a podcast, you have a company or know someone who has an organization who's just like saying, doing that thing where they're like, man, we should have a podcast, but we don't know what to, where to start or what to do. Man, I love helping people with that. Um, so check out areacodeaudio.com. Um, and there's a lot of information about what we do there. Perfect. I'll put that down below so people can go check that out. And of course, show you some support. And I have a bunch of tools and resources I'm going to send your way that you can use to help help people in the way. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. The last question. You ready for this? You ready? I'm know. ready. You sure? You sure you're ready? You sure? I, uh, no, I'm okay. not. I, good, who good. knows what this thing is? <laughs> good, good. That's what I like to catch my guests off guard. The last question is, do you have any questions for me about playing video games? Oh, I'm not ready. Um, <laughs> man, I'm, um, are you a tourist or are you someone who sticks with one game for a while? I am definitely a tourist. I love uh -huh. trying out all different types, types of games. Even if it's a little bit like Towerfall, I play that a lot. I have a Switch. I love my Switch. I'm mm -hmm. a PC gamer and I have like so many games. A lot of them I haven't played. But I like trying. I bought like a bridge building game. Like, oh, that seems interesting. I was in the mood for that. Yeah. And I just love it. The one game that I do like play over and over and over again is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And I think oh, I have yeah. like 1,300 hours in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good. I'm not good at the game, but I, I love the game. Smash Brothers is like one where um, I had ancillary interest in because like it was popular in college. But I never felt like I was good at that game. You know, I never really, it never felt like my game, if that makes sense. Well, in that case, apparently it's not my game either, but I love it. <laughs> I'm bad, but I love it. And that's the cool yeah. thing. With video games, you don't have to be great to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. So there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Richard, for coming on and bearing all my random questions about best controller or finding Easter eggs and whatnot. I'm sure I could have gone so much more deeper. Like, <laughs> did you find any glitches in any games and then exploit it and send an email to the company? It's like, hey, I found. And once again, I didn't ask that question. <laughs> the <laughs> answer is no. I can answer that easily. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for the next interview. That's what I'm going to keep it for. But uh -huh. if you guys would love to learn more about Richard, you can go check him out. I'll put all the links down below in the description so it'll be very easy to find and if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all you can send me an email at time for your hobby at gmail.com or you know you can support if you like it's only optional but i do have a patreon i sell merchandise uh you can leave a review and i'm working on a podcasting board game which will come out in the future no question mark it'll come out in the future question mark <laughs> Go come back in the past. Yeah. Explanation mark. Past. There. Uh, but what you have to do in the meantime is go show Richard some love. So Richard, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>